Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Exodus chapter 32. Uh, I want to say uh, thank you for your patience as, uh, as we are having some difficulty with our multimedia displays and our, the TV's gone down. Uh, should be repaired by next Sunday. Amen. Had to order some new technology. I also want to acknowledge the obvious that, of course, today being uh, Super Bowl Sunday, uh, I want to take the opportunity to preach a message that I pray would speak to all of our hearts. And the question that often comes up in this time and in on this day over the years does god care about the super bowl well i would say he cares about the spiritual conditions of all the players god cares about the coaches god cares about all the fans that may or may not be in the stadium this year I believe that he cares about people who are watching the game far more than he cares about which colored jersey is going to have more points at the end of the game. And I believe that if we are committed to have godly perspective on life, we must be willing to lay down a few of our cares and concerns. How many understand that? After all, it is just a game. But for many more people, it is much, much more than that. If you were to, uh, if you were to be a space alien that came from Mars in your little flying saucer and descended upon the United States of America and just happened to arrive on Super Bowl Sunday, you might uh, observe that there are many people who have fallen in love with a very powerful religion. People uh, watching a, uh, a game and cheering endlessly, breathlessly, watching these boxes in their televisions, in their homes, you might be mistaken to think that this is their religion. If you watched one person who came to church on Sunday morning and sat silently and calmly Bowed their head, perhaps falling, nodding a little bit. Amen, Pastor. Amen. You know how we do. And then to watch that same person go to a Super Super Bowl party where they are excited, where they're passionate, where they're sweat dripping, where they can't keep, as a space alien observing this, you would have a lot of evidence to believe that whatever that was in the morning time, that that was just a habit. But whatever happened in front of that Super Bowl screen, that was the true passion of someone's life. 
I hope I'm not preaching to too many people here this morning. And I'm not here to lay a guilt trip on you if you enjoy football. Hey, I enjoy watching the Super Bowl also. But what I am here to do this morning is to remind you how easily every single one of us can fall into violation of the first and second commandments, which is to not worship other gods. The first commandment of the Ten Commandments, which very few people know anymore, unfortunately, is you shall have no gods before me, right? You shall have no other gods before me. The second commandment, which dovetails right into that, is that you shall not create any graven images. You shall not bow down to them, worship them, all of the various ways people worship their idols. Can I tell you this morning, there's a reason why those are first on the list. God knows something about the human personality that we often try to cover up or try to forget. There is, in the scripture we're about to read, the deceitfulness of worshiping idols. And I believe one of the most heartbreaking stories in all the Bible. And before we're done today, I'm going to give you some hope. But I can't give you the good news before we hear the bad news. Let's read together Exodus chapter 32, beginning with verse 1. Just a few scriptures here. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and sons and daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, brought them to Aaron, and he received the gold from their hand. And he fashioned it with an engraving tool. And he made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Israel, uh, Egypt, rather. They go on to name this golden calf. They gave him the name that should belong to no one else, Jehovah. This is the danger of the human personality. And I want to pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. God, we're asking you right now that you would help us today. Help us to recognize in ourselves the worship of things that are other than you. And I'm asking you today, God, give us humility, give us grace, and help us, Lord. Give us hope that we can worship you and you alone today. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. As people would say, amen. This is a message I've titled, Who Has Your Heart? Question mark. Who has your heart? Because the truth is that obvious from our scripture is that the people that had been rescued from Egypt, that the, their heart did not belong to the Lord, at least not yet. Let's talk firstly about making idols. As I mentioned, there, there is a reason why this is the first commandment and not something else. Because God knew that this was going to be a problem for you and I. 
Do you know why this is such a problem for human beings? Why this is not just something in theory, this is not just about Super Bowl Sunday. This is about every person seated here this morning. And if you are here and you think that you don't have a problem with idolatry, then you have been fooled by Satan himself. Because you and I, we have a problem with idols. You say, well, pastor, I don't have any, you know, I don't have any golden calves in my house. I don't bow down to any statues. Or I don't, I don't have a, an icon that I hang on my wall and pray to or light candles like the, the Roman Catholics would do. And, and, and so that, I can't be an idol worshiper, could I? Listen to, again to Exodus 20, verses 2 through 6, where God gives us the first and second commandments that go together so perfectly. He says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or earth beneath or in water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous, say the word jealous, I am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. God says, idolatry is hatred of God. Jesus, when he comes on the scene in the New Testament to to begin to give clarity, they ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he responded, Matthew 22, 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all, say the word all, all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now the reason that that is so important this morning is because very few, in fact, I would venture out and say that there is not one person in this place Who can claim that you have successfully loved the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, even for just a 24-hour period? And if you can claim that this morning, I'd love to have a conversation with you to figure out how you did that. Because I have trouble with that. To love the Lord with all, all, that means 100%. Not with 75 or 80 or 95 or even 99%, but with all your heart. The question is, who has your heart? Because Jesus said, this is the great commandment. Let's not even talk about the rest of the laws. Let's not talk about all of stealing and lying and, uh, and coveting and all those things until we get this one right. Love the Lord with all your heart. Because this is something about us that we have to understand. God made you to worship. Human beings, from the very beginning, we were pre-programmed. We came out pre-programmed with this uh, software on our hearts, which was we were made to worship. This is part of our operating system for you computer nerds. 
the operating system that came from the manufacturer that we are designed to worship. Do not believe the mistake that, that, that we are just adding this Christianity thing onto the rest of our lives. That is a misnomer. We are made to worship. And if we find ourselves in a place where our hearts are not fully surrendered to God, fully surrendered to God, the alternative to that is not that we'll just be a non-spiritual person. See, we have this, this idea that if someone turns away from Jesus, or if someone doesn't go to church, or if someone is not a Christian, then that means that person is an atheist, a non-believer in God. It just means that they're not spiritual at all. It just means that they don't believe in anything supernatural. That is not true. When you turn away from the God of the universe, you will, every time, you will worship something. You will turn to a false God. See, in our story, we learn that those people, they didn't just become atheists and, you know, and, and become professors of, uh, of evolution and uh, pretend to be you know, high and mighty. No, they re, they, when they turned away from God, they also turned to something else. And this is happening every day in our culture. As the United States of America and the Western world in general, as we are being removed from our Christian foundation, what is happening is not that our world is becoming less spiritual. That's not true. We remain worshipers. We remain spiritual. The truth is we are turning from God and we are turning to idols. They might not be formed or fashioned with hands, but they are idols still. And I want to take a few moments to describe to you some of the modern idols that we worship. And I want you to just take a moment and be honest. Can we be honest? You know, in church you're not supposed to lie. So let's just be honest for a few minutes. Some modern idols that we worship. Number one, stuff. This is materialism. The worship of stuff. What did, what, did, uh, what did the first commandment say? You shall have no other gods before me. You know, as we read through the book of Job recently in our Bible reading plan, I was, uh, I was just challenged again. Would you still believe God if you didn't have all your stuff? See, Job lost all of his stuff, didn't he? Just destroyed in a fire, in a whirlwind. Not only all of his stuff, but all the people he cared about. And even when he had no stuff, he still said, God, you are my God. The problem is that our stuff can become our God. Our homes, especially here in the United States where we are, we are consumer-minded, we link our identity many times to the things that we own. We link our identity to the clothes that we wear, to the vehicle that you drive, to the shoes that you wear, the purse, ladies, the watch you wear, the glasses, the fashion, 
to the gadgets you hold in your pocket, and you can't be a real person. You can't have any value or dignity in life unless you own something. We build bigger and bigger houses with more and more closets and more and more storage space. And when all the storage space is full, we rent a storage facility to hold all the extra stuff that doesn't fit in your house. Most of your stuff has something called planned obsolescence. It means that a generation ago, you know, your, great, your grandfathers and grandmothers and their generation, greatest generation, World War II generation, they had a philosophy that if it's broken, you should fix it. If your shoes, if the soles of your shoes wear out, you take them to a shoe repair shop, there's going to be a guy who puts a new sole on the bottom of your shoe. That's not what we do today. We throw them in the trash can and we go to Walmart. See, planned obsolescence is true of everything that we own today. And Walmart loves it. The producers love this because they can continually sell you more and more stuff. See, that gadget that everybody rushes and stands in line and can't wait till the package comes to open it up, guess what? That's going to be obsolete in less than six months. And you're going to be drooling over the next one that comes out. What is that? That is a worship of stuff. We rush out to buy the newest one, the latest one, the more fashionable one. Oh, no, that style is out. Now there's a new style. This insatiable desire for more and more. Aren't we called consumers? Oh, I hate that word. Don't be a consumer. What is a consumer? It's just Pac-Man. Chomp, 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 chomp. Right? All day long. That's how the government sees you. That's how producers see you. That's how big companies, Fortune 500, they see you as the sucker. Because all you do is comp, 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 more and more. Give me as much as I can get my filthy hands on. God never called you to do that. God doesn't just want to be on a constant, lifelong buying spree. See, what this really amounts to is nothing more than covetousness. What I saw, by the way, every advertisement, You know, today is not just famous for the uh, Super Bowl game that's going to be playing, but also what? For the commercials. Sometimes the commercials are better than the game. Every commercial, what is it designed to do? To make you covet. That the stuff that I have is not good enough. You know what? I'm just going to preach to myself then. The stuff that I have isn't good enough, so I've got to get more. The, The bag of chips that is in my cupboard right now, I don't want that bag because there's a new one. New flavor, I just saw it. Somebody rush off to the store and get the new flavor. Every advertisement, every commercial is designed to make you think that what you have is not good enough. You know what the Bible teaches? That we should be content with what we have. That having food to eat and a bed to sleep on, that with these things we should be content. 
That does not compute with life in America, does it? Contentment? What? That, that's, that's foreign language. See, God understands that we will never be happy, and this is another thing true about worshiping idols, you will never ultimately be fulfilled. See, these people worshiping the golden calf and rising up to play, how many know that that's going to leave them feeling empty and guilty and dirty? And the worship of stuff in the Western world will do exactly the same. That you can get all the stuff. You know, I go to some houses uh, for my job. One of the things I get to do is go into these houses, man. Some of these houses in Virginia Beach, out there in Chesapeake, these places are castles right on the water. Oh, Lord Jesus. I go to some of these houses, and just to be there for an hour is like a vacation for me. I'm thinking, you, you live here? People got stuff, man. But I'm telling you, you can have all the stuff and be totally empty in here. You can have all the stuff. Marriage still falling apart. Family still hates you. You can have all the stuff. It will not fulfill you. The second idol that I want to tell you about is the worship of self. Called egoism. It can be very destructive. This is why so many people indulge themselves with addictions, alcohol, drugs, even food addictions. Those in affluent countries like ours, we have unlimited access to alcohol, to drugs, even prescription drugs, prescription drug abuse at an all-time high, even among children, and it pains my heart to think, even in the house of God. Obesity has skyrocketed in recent years. Childhood diabetes. And what is that? That is simply a lack of self-control. It is a worship of self We resist effort, any effort to curb our appetites. We are determined to make ourselves the God of our own lives. And by doing so, we fall into the same lie that Satan used with Eve in the garden. Genesis 3, 5, you will be like God. This has been our sinful desire ever since to be the God of our own lives. The worship of self is the basis of all idolatry. You know how else it computes out in our lives? Not just a lack of self-control, but also it can take the form of obsession with career and jobs. There are millions, millions of people in our culture today And there are some who should be here this morning that are not because, what? They're working. Can't make it. Too busy. 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week, working, working, working. I see people who are forever getting more and more student loans for more and more education. When's it going to end? 
What is the purpose? What is the end goal? Even weekends, vacations. Our laptops are still humming. Emails still coming in and our minds whirling with thoughts. How can I be more successful? Make more money. Pay more bills. Get the next raise. Close the next deal. And in the meantime, our children are starving for attention. And what do we do? We say, oh no, it's, it's, it's for my family. We fooled ourselves. Thinking that by being gone all the time, I'm providing a better life. That is nothing more than egoism. The truth is we do it for ourselves. To increase self-esteem. To appear more successful in the eyes of the world. To prove to somebody somewhere that you've got what it takes. Didn't Jesus say, do not worry about where your next meal is going to come from? Don't even the sparrows have enough food? That God cares enough about them that they stay well fed. Every sparrow, every tiny bird around the world has enough to eat and is filled. And aren't you worth more than sparrows? Isn't God able to provide for your needs? Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. You don't need to work every Sunday. Every time churches, listen, if God rested on the seventh day, then you can be here. Six days are for work. The seventh day is for the Lord. And what it amounts to is the idol of self. I'm too important, pastor. My boss needs me too much. My customers, they need me. You know what? Somewhere you're going to have to say, I am not in control. God, you are my God, and I will submit to you. Solomon, he said it like this, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 21. A man may do his work with wisdom, with knowledge and skill. Then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil an anxious striving with which he labors under the sun. All his days he works in pain and grief. Even at night his mind does not rest. This is meaningless, empty, vanity, and will leave you at the end of your life. Listen, I'm telling you, if you have the gift of living a long life and knowing when you're going to pass into eternity, you're going to be laying on your deathbed, hopefully, with your loved ones surrounding you. You are not going to lay there and reminisce about your life and say, I am so glad that I worked so much. I guarantee you. You are not going to say, I'm so glad I spent all that time away from my family and away from my church working for myself and making a paycheck. Oh, it was great. Are you going to say that? What that is, beloved, is a worship of self. It is idolatry. You must recognize it, and you must judge it. 
This is what we find exactly in our scripture. How did we get here? How did they come to a place where they're more excited to worship a golden calf than they are to worship the God of the universe? It's the same way that we begin to worship ourselves and our stuff more than our Savior. It's the same way. The first thing that happens is that we begin to believe lies. We believe lies. The Apostle Paul told the Romans, Romans 1.25, that they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. What is the lie that they believed in our Scripture? The lie is, if you turn back again to Exodus 32, that they saw that Moses was delayed coming down from the mountain. The people gathered to Aaron and said, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man, listen to that, the man who brought us out of Egypt. Who brought them out of Egypt? Was it Moses? He was there to help. It was not Moses, though. What was the lie that these people believed? They believed in the man. They saw the man. They saw the guy who struck the water with his staff and it opened up. And they said, oh, that Moses. Oh, he's the one who... That's a lie. They believed that lie. And so when Moses was gone for a few hours... They said, oh no, our man Moses has gone to the mountain. Who knows if he's ever going to come back. We need some other God. They rewrote their history. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. It's exactly what we do. The reason why we fall into idolatry is because we believe the lies of the enemy. We believe the lie that money is more important than serving God. We believe the lie that our hobbies are more important than the kingdom. We believe those lies. Why? Because we can see them. You get a paycheck and there's money. You can see the number in your account getting larger. And you're like, yeah, the God who delivered me. From my sins. That's a lie. I know. You should be responsible with money. It's nice to have some security in life. I acknowledge that. As long as the money doesn't have you. Who has your heart this morning? The truth is, and it's easier to become an idolater when you have money than when you don't. It's a very delicate balance. They said, Moses isn't with us anymore. Let's replace him. It can be just as easy for us if we don't see God, we don't hear Him, we don't feel Him, especially when we begin backsliding in our heart, we become cold and bitter toward God. And you might be still attending church services, but the passion is gone your heart will begin beating for other things, possessions, sports, hobbies. All of a sudden, the purpose and plan of God doesn't seem so interesting anymore to you. 
The other way that this happens is when we begin to blame external forces for the bad things that have happened. I love this story. So you, you know how it goes that the people are worshiping this idol made of metal. And Moses is up on top of the mountain. He is there receiving these Ten Commandments, this revelation for how to live life, right? This is the answer to all of their problems that he's bringing down to them. God is up there writing them on a tablet, two tablets, with his own finger. I mean, this is serious revelation, right? And God has tasked Moses to bring these tablets down to the people and give them this gift of how to live life. And as God is there giving him this revelation, he says, you better go check on your folks. Those are your children, Moses. Because they are down there acting the fool. God said, you better get down there. And he discovers this scene, right? And there they are. They're worshiping. They're dancing. And uh, many scholars believe the, 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 the context and the... Uh, the way that the Hebrew is written there, that it's more than just a party. There's gross sexual sin happening at the same time. The, the way that the Egyptians worship their gods is how they are now worshiping this god. With all kinds of deviancy and nastiness, filth. And Moses comes down, he's got the tablets, man. What are you guys doing? And he destroys these tablets. Now, that's a whole other sermon right there. But what's interesting is now he, he begins to talk to his brother, Aaron. So Aaron, who is supposed to be back at the bottom of the mountain, keeping a handle on things, and he asks his brother, what happened here? Did they tie you up? Did they torture you? Did they pull out your teeth? Aaron, what, what caused this to happen? How come you couldn't restrain them? And look what he says in verse 24. He says, I told the people, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and I threw it in the fire. And out came this calf. I, I can't explain it. It's amazing. It's, it's a miracle. It just came out of the fire. That was Aaron's defense. It was all just... It was just a happy accident, Moses. I didn't mean it. It was a surprise for me. And then all of a sudden I found myself bowing down and worshiping. I got to, who, it's inexplicable. Unexplainable. Isn't that just like us? When we find ourselves putting something before God, putting the love of money, the love of self, the love of stuff, before God? And then I come and ask you about it? And say, I don't know how it happened. I can't explain it. I was just there one day and my boss offered me. So I said, yeah, okay. Can't explain it. It's an accident. Can't tell you how it happened. You know what the problem with that? It's not true. It's not true that Aaron bore responsibility here look again at verse 4 of the scripture so all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron he took what they handed him and he made it into an idol 
He fashioned it with a tool. His mind has been mind melt or something. He forgot about this. What? It didn't just come out of the fire. But he sat down with a tool, clink, 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 forming and fashioning the very thing that is leading him away from God. But what is he telling himself? It wasn't me. Somebody else did it. It just happened. But it didn't just happen. Let me apply this to your life and mine, and then we're going to close. You and I, we do not exchange the worship of God for the worship of something else by accident. It's not an accident. You don't accidentally forget to pray. You don't accidentally forget to read your Bible. You don't accidentally fail to witness and tell people about Jesus. I couldn't explain it, Pastor. I just found myself sleeping all day. The truth is, if we're honest, we have crafted our idolatry with our own hands. We have made the decisions that have brought us to where we are. We have replaced God and His will for our lives with something else, not by accident, not by happenstance. It's through choices. It is through the choices we've made. And isn't it amazing this morning that God lets you make choices? He lets you make mistakes. He is not going to stop you from being an idiot. He is not going to stop. He will will warn you. He's already put it in his book. Don't be an idiot. And you have the choice whether to listen or whether to craft your idol. Can I remind you one, one thing? This thing was made out of gold. You know what that means? They paid a price. They took the gold jewelry out of their own ears, out of their own treasures, and they paid a price to craft the idol that turned them away from God. It's expensive, isn't it? Turning away from God, you will pay a price. You will pay a high price. Let's close with cleansing and redemption quickly. Verse 20 says that Moses took the calf that they had made, It does not say that he cut it up into small pieces and gave it back to everyone. I know you all just made a little mistake. That's not what it says. It says that he burned it in the fire. And in the fire he ground it to powder. He scattered it on the waters and made the Israelites drink it. Talk about taking your medicine. Look at that. Four steps. He burned it in the fire. He ground it down to powder. He scattered it on the water, and then he made them all drink it. I'm thinking, how long did this take? We don't know exactly how big it was, but that would have been a lot of gold. You know what I'm saying? It probably was like half the size of a car, maybe more. Here's Moses with a hammer. Bang! Bang! Grounding the gold down to powder. And he spread it on the water. This would have taken time. You, 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 know what, you know what we learned from that? 
it's a lot harder to get right with God than it is to go astray. It is a lot of work. Four times. Burn with fire, ground to powder, scattered with water, and then made them drink it. It is four times harder to get right with God than it is to go away from God. Lies do not die easily. Have you ever tried to give something up that was getting in the way? The will of God? Not easy. See, just a Bible reading program. Very difficult. Find the time. 15, 20 minutes a day. Just a prayer life. Pretty difficult. When we have a, a time of prayer and fasting. Ooh, I said it, the F word. Fasting. Oh, pastor. Oh, that's blasphemy. What I'm saying is that the lie fights back, doesn't it? You have to kill it again and again. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross daily, daily, and follow me. So the answer this morning as we close is be Moses, not Aaron. Be Moses, not Aaron. See, what's amazing to me is that Moses and Aaron are brothers. They're from the same house. They're going to the same church. They have the same last name. Well, they probably don't have last names. But but even though they are so similar in so many ways, they could not be more different in this chapter. Aaron would not take a stand for God. There was pressure from the crowd. He compromised immediately. Instead of standing up for God, he caved in to the wishes of the people. He did what everybody wanted him to do instead of what God had commanded him to do. He tried to worship. He tried to join in the worship of a false god. There's ever a man who had one foot in the church and one foot in the world. That's Aaron. He tried to please God and please the people. Is that going to work out? On the other hand, Moses, from the very beginning, he understands, he judges it. This is wrong. He knows it's wrong. He knows why it's wrong. He doesn't compromise. He doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't have to weigh the options. Oh, should I go back down and should I join in the party? He has to be the buzzkill, right? He has to be the one breaking it up. Not only that, but then he begins to pray and intercede for the people. He takes the position of an interceder. He becomes a Christ-like figure now, where he's taking upon himself the sins of the people. See, God's ready to give up on them. God's ready to say, forget about them. Moses, I'll make a nation out of you instead. And he says, no, 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 God, please, please, please forgive them. There is hope for the idolater this morning. Exodus 40, verse 13, says this. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as the priest. <laughs> the same Aaron. The same Aaron that led the entire nation into idolatry 
And God says, he's the one who's going to be my priest. That should give you a little hope this morning. That even though he messed up royally, it would be very easy to think that Aaron would be cast into history as, as an uh, idolater, as someone who turned from God, and it would be easy for us. And I can preach a whole sermon against Aaron. But you know what? God still used Aaron. And God can still use you. But it's going to require some painful steps of repentance. Talk about the biggest screw-up in the Bible. And he still was anointed by God as his royal priest. God has a purpose and a plan for you. But you've got to put away your idols. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Different people have different idols. But the truth is, all idolatry comes down to the worship of self. To the exaltation of self-will above God's will. To the love of material things more than spiritual things. That's why it's first on the list. Every other sin is just an extension of idolatry. We make idols out of people, out of ways of life. We make idols out of things that we own. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Who has your heart this morning? Is this Christianity Christianity thing, is this more than just Sunday morning religion to you? Or is it just a little hobby that you add on to the rest of your life? I don't know about you. I can still remember what Jesus saved me from. I can still remember that I was on my way to a devil's hell. And that without Christ, I would be drowning in my sin. Perhaps you've come this morning and you be honest. You say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I'm not living right. My heart is separated from Him. I need redemption. I need healing. I have good news. And even though we've all sinned and fallen short, we've made idols in this life. We've worshipped gods with a lowercase g instead of the God of the universe. And because we have sinned, we will stand in judgment unless, unless the Bible says that God is merciful toward those who will repent and turn from their sins. If you're here this morning, I'm, I'm not asking you how religious you are. Listen, you can, have, you can have religion all day long. Around the world, there's religion. Religion is not what saves us from hell. I'm not asking you how many Bible scriptures you know or how many times you've been to church or how many Christians are in your circle. I'm asking you right now, are you right with God? Who has your heart? Who has your heart? Somebody's going to have your heart. If God doesn't have your heart, then someone or something else in this life is going to steal it. And you'll be left empty, yearning for more purpose in life. I'm going to take just a moment. If there's someone here right now, you're, 
you're being honest and say, Pastor, I know that I'm separated from God and I need redemption before I leave today. I want to pray with you. You be brave enough to just lift up your hand for just a moment. I want to see that hand. Is there someone else? Right now, I thank you for honesty this morning. Maybe backslidden in your heart. There was a time that you served God with passion and with fire, but now it's become a pastime. It's become just another hobby on the long list of other hobbies of your life. Other things have taken priority above the kingdom of God. Your self, your passion projects, your team, your job, your education. These things are far more important to you than serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, you've discovered that today. You say, Pastor, I don't, I don't want to stay like that. I want my heart to belong to Jesus. That's you. Let me see your hand. I want to see your hand this morning. Anyone else? Quickly this morning. Thank you. Thank you for honest hearts today. Thank you. Thank God. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.